Hi friends, this is Andrew, and uh, it is the fourth day of Christmas. I'm sitting here actually in my father's study uh, recording just a few podcasts uh, as I've been thinking about heading into the new year. Uh, I was thinking of uh, putting together some reflections that, that I think I, I go through and that I find helpful uh, as everyone around us uh, is kind of resetting uh, taking a deep breath as we charge out of the Christmas and holiday season into a uh, into a new year. Uh, I wanted to put together a series of reflections, thoughts on the scriptures, thoughts on the words of Jesus. Um, yeah, to just hopefully bring us a bit of life. So this first one, I uh, simply would title Resting in the Presence of God. What does it mean to be aligned with, to be at peace with, to, to rest in uh, this mysterious reality of God's presence? And so to do that, what I want to do for this first episode is ask two questions. The first being, what is God like? And where is God? Really simple questions, uh, but profound, right, in their weight. And look a bit at what scripture says about who God is and where God is. And then after each question, I'm going to lead us through a really simple um, a really simple exercise on how to maybe process this in your prayer life, to be still and know who God is and know where God is. Uh, so I hope this is beneficial to you. So I want to begin in Zephaniah. Uh, Zephaniah uh, is this writer in the Old Testament. In uh, Zephaniah 3.17, we read, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. This God, there's a pleasure this God takes. This God sings over us and delights in us. This is one of the earlier, earlier pictures uh, we see of what God is like. In Jonah 4.2, uh, the background here is we have the prophet Jonah, uh, who is um, absolutely frustrated that his God, as he saw it, the Jewish God, uh, would have this mercy and grace on his enemies, on the Assyrians. They were the ultimate enemy of his people. And so we read this. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And what he's saying here is this uh, mercy uh, and forgiveness that's been poured out on the Assyrians. He thinks this is so wrong. And Jonah becomes angry that God's been merciful towards his enemy. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Jonah goes, this is, I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to forgive and have mercy and love on my enemies. I knew it. We hear that this God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Then we read some words from the psalmist in Psalm 6-4. The psalmist's soul is in anguish. And the psalmist writes, turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your un." failing love save me because of your unfailing love in the original hebrew there is this action and motion in this unfailing love this movement 
towards those that are hurting that need deliverance. This is what this God is like. Psalm 17, verse 6, I call on you, my God, for you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. Show me the wonders of your great love. You who save by your right hand those who take refuge in you. Show me. The psalmist is saying, show me your great love, the wonders of your great love. And he begins to recount the ways that God has rescued and been a refuge. Psalm 100, I have this phrase that's repeated over and over and over. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. He repeats this phrase, your love endures forever, your love endures forever, and it continues through all generations. And then in 1 John 4, 16, it's not just that God is, is loving. It's not just that God uh, throughout history has shown these moments of love that these scripture writers keep reflecting on. Uh, there's something actually about his very nature. And 1 John, uh, we, we read this, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So when we ask the question, what is God like? About his nature and his faithfulness, the way he loves even those that are undeserving of it, compassionate and slow to anger, delighting in us. This apparently is what God is like. So maybe if, uh, if you're driving in your car right now, you just take a deep breath and don't take your eyes off the road. Don't start closing your eyes, but maybe turn, uh, try to just zone out any other noise around you. If you're at home, uh, I find it helpful just to put two feet flat on the ground, be in a place of rest, maybe open your hands to receive, maybe close your eyes, just get into a comfortable spot. And I want to just invite you to consider that any other image of God that you have, anything that doesn't square with and look like these images, to let it go. Let God be love. God loves you now as you are, and you can trust that. Remain in that love. Let any other image of who God is just fade and know that you can trust in that. There was this visualization I heard once from a sister. He said, uh, just imagine that you're sitting there on your couch and the room begins to fill with water. As it starts to rise, it doesn't rise quite as fast because it's filling every nook and cranny and every uh, you know hole on the floor and every crack. Your couch is soaking up all of the water. And then the water level starts to rise and rise and it's soaking your clothing and it's covering any part, every part of you. And it rises and it rises and it begins to fill your lungs and fill your body and fill the room until everything is just embraced by that water. This is what it is to, to um, recognize that God is abounding in love, that in his presence uh, we can remain in the Father's love, we can be embraced by the reality of who God 
is. So if you need to pause here and just take a moment just to pray, maybe for you, you need to look back on the year and be reminded of God's faithfulness and his love for you. But let's move on to our second question. Where is this God? Uh, in the book of Numbers, Numbers 27, 15, uh, we get this really interesting name uh, for who uh, God is, and it doesn't really show up exactly in the English so the text reads, Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. Where is this God? Well, his very name, God of every human spirit, the God who gives breath to all living things, the source of breath for everything. This is, uh, this is God's name, and yet it tells us something about where this God actually is. Every breath, around every breath, this God is sustaining all things. Isaiah 42.5, it's life itself, we read. This is what God, the Lord, says, the creator of the heavens who stretched them out, who spread out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to all those who walk on it. God's presence is life itself. Psalm 44, verse 3. It was not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your face, for you love them. We read that God can be almighty and powerful and also intimate and close there is this sovereign power and strength, and then there is this intimacy that the psalmist talks about. And then in Acts 17, 24, the God uh, who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. There are these thousands of distant gods in our day and age, they look more like materialism and the idolatry of sort of the trappings of everyday Western life. And who this God is and where this God, the God who made the world and everything in it, is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He does not um, live in a particular place and in a particular church and a particular space. We don't need to go somewhere. They can be helpful to create physical spaces, but we don't need to go somewhere to be able to worship this God. And so for a reflection, when we rest in the presence of a God that is love, we are not trying to get God here. We rest in a God who is here. This is the reason that we get quiet this is the reason that we take a breath. This is the reason um, that we get out of our environment, that we slow down, even that we stop to listen to a podcast. We can't allow life to remo remove us from the awareness that God is present, that the earth is filled with his glory, and that God is a God of love. And so may we remember a God who is as close as our breath and that uh, 
this God, this God revealed to us fully in Jesus, as a God who does not leave us or forsake us, that God is not the one who is distant. If there is any distance, it is so often us. God is the one who has come near. That God is the one who has shown us who, what he is like in his life and death and resurrection. Who's shown us a God who is present. A God who so loved the world that he gave his only son. A God who has laid down his life for even us. Who is as powerful as as the cosmos and as big and wide as the earth itself and yet who is intimate and with us. And so I pray that um, as we head into the new year, we would grow in our capacity to be still and know that God is God, to know that we are not on the throne, to know that we can rest and abide in the Father. Peace be with you.